0: You don't get to choose who you have a sex dream about no that's for happens. sure yeah you don't yeah. get justin, to choose no justin i think has had sex dreams about people he wishes he hadn't
1: i've had sex dreams about people i knew who i had never considered having sex with ever uh-huh. you know what i'm saying okay like, but did
0: you wake up and have a crush on him in the morning
1: uh, not a crush I woke up and felt like I had to apologize to them in the morning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess it depends on what goes down in the dream.
1: This is
2: like a soft lead into Justin emailing me later about the sex dream he had about me last night. Uh
0: Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Uh-oh. That's
3: absolutely it.
2: Hello, and welcome to Murder Husbands, an in-depth episode-by-episode discussion of Brian Fuller's Hannibal, based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are a popsicle without the A, just popsicle, a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations for big stories. I'm Philip Kelly. Um, I get to edit these episodes and listen to all of my co host voice on repeat throughout the week, and it's wonderful. Um, and my co-host are as always, we've got Lisa K. Weber here, who is the artist of HEX 11 and graphic designer de jour. How are you doing, Lisa K. Weber?
4: I am fine today. Thank you, Philip.
2: Great, great, great. Uh, We've got Kelly Sue Milano, who's the writer of Hex 11 and the writer of our uh, exquisite synopses that we read every week. Hi, Kelly Sue.
0: Hi. We've
2: got Claire Thorne here, who uh, is a cross-stitcher, who likes talking about the stars and the universe and everything in it, and just loves NASA and is so excitable. Uh, How are you, Claire?
3: I'm very good.
2: Good, good. Uh, and Justin, hi Justin, uh, the writer of Hunter Black and the soon to be released Sonic Prime and who's got a zillion things going on in his life and yet makes time to join us and be a part of this amazing little family. How are you, Justin?
1: I'm doing very well. And this is like part of my relief from all the craziness I got going on. So yeah. That's, yeah, right?
2: We get to split and separate and come here together and talk about um, really terrible and awful things that happen to fictional characters. Uh, but, uh, which brings us before diving into our discussion um, f- about a Buffet Froid, is that right? Is that right? Buffet, buffet foie. Yeah, Sounds
4: right to me. Yeah,
2: I, I did take correct. French in college, so, but it's been a while. Um, we're gonna get a synopsis reading from Kelly Sue and Claire.
4: You're You're muted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> According to this episode, There is a monster under the bed, and it's responsible for the murder the BAU is investigating. Beth LeBeau, who is stabbed to death in her bedroom, her face mutilated into a classic Glasgow smile. Meanwhile, we get a look at Will's increasingly fragile mental state through Hannibal's perspective. When he gives Will a practice in presencing himself by stating his name and drawing a clock with the current time, he gets his name right, but the clock is straight fuck. Could it be a terrible brain disease? Let's find out. <laughs>
3: Hannibal schedules an MRI for Will with his neurologist bud, Dr. Sutcliffe, but not before Will is able to lose time getting a fish only to come to covered in Beth LeBeau's blood and contaminating her crime scene all to hell. Classic Will. Everyone is concerned and to the shock of no one, Jack admonishes Will for his mental state then basically says, See you at the next
0: gruesome crime scene. Will finally gets into Sutcliffe's MRI machine and Sutcliffe and Hannibal discover that Hannibal's sense of smell was correct. It's encephalitis. Hannibal insists Sutcliffe not mention it to Will because that's completely normal for a doctor to do and they keep it under wraps while Hannibal controls Will and
3: everyone else. Because he thinks he's fine, Will continues his work and visits Beth LeBeau's house after hours, discovering the murderer under her bed. When she runs, Will reaches for her only to pull off an entire sleeve of her skin. Gross. After further investigation, the team realizes she is Georgia Madchen, a former friend of Beth's who suffers from a debilitating mental illness called Cotard syndrome, in which her skin comes loose, she is unable to see faces, and actually thinks she's dead. Problematic, to say the least.
0: It all comes to a head when Will returns for another MRI and finds Sutcliffe murdered in his office, his face mutilated similarly to Beth LeBeau's, only gnarlier. Georgia Madgen is apprehended and held in a hospital room. BAU team goes to town on Sutcliffe's murder scene. And while Jack discusses all the events with Hannibal, retreated to a flashback of Georgia, walking in on Hannibal, tearing Sutcliffe's face apart. Knowing she can't see his face, he hands her the murder weapon and leaves, just in time to hear him tell Jack, I hope she remembers nothing for her sake. ruh <laughs>
2: Oh, man, I kind of feel like I needed some Scooby snacks before watching this episode. Or at least after. Yeah, right? At least after. I had a really, I don't usually have a hard time sleeping after watching things, doesn't matter what it is. I had a very hard time sleeping after this episode. Both times I watched it, um, I had a hard time just watching this episode. Uh, not just because of the gore, but because I'm finding myself connecting to Will Graham on a very personal and visceral level, and and, and that's really affected me these last two episodes. Uh, for I mean, for a lot of reasons, I, you know I, I connect with his kind of imagination that runs a little rampant getting caught up in it there's a certain motion he makes in, uh, with his head uh when sitting across from Hannibal almost like a physical jerk to tear himself away from what he's seeing and what he's feeling and I find myself having to do that to separate myself from intense emotional feelings based on my imagination sort of taking over and leading me down a path of disconnected things kind of bringing them together it's uh, uh I I empathize with that greatly and some other elements of his character like that um, that I have to really fight against if I want to be a happy person Um, so I I wasn't expecting that in this show and I, I think there is you know there's something to calling a show really great but I think for a show to connect to us the way it is to me now the way it is and to kind of an audience in general the way it has it has to be working on a greater level than that. So I'm curious if, you know, uh, how this show might be affecting the four of you on that sort of visceral level. And if there is a character that you're finding yourself connecting with on like a deeper level like this, that like that's really like reaching into you. Cause I feel like all of these characters probably have that element to them to some degree for different people. Um, It's yeah, who would like to start? Uh, I'm not gonna point at anybody here.
4: I, um, I'll go Go,
2: because this
4: episode in particular, I mean, and I'm sure everybody feels this way about this episode, but the first time I watched this episode, when it aired, um, I was alone in my apartment and it was late. It was right before bed. And listen, I do this shit all the time. I'm like, (laughs) I make very ill-informed pre-bed viewing choices all the time. (laughs) um, (laughs) this was no exception. I like from the very first scene, I was like, God damn it. What have I done? But I can't stop now. So I watched the rest of it. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to put my TV in the freezer for the night (laughs) so I could sleep. Um, but I didn't do that. I slept and I had beautiful nightmares instead because Hannibal always inspires beautiful nightmares. Um, go figure so yeah this one because this one's like a straight up horror one like this is a horror episode this isn't a crime procedural this is a horror so it's like um yeah it was it's a different experience this one for sure um Mm -hmm. lots of jump scares um when will finds georgia under the bed not his bed but when mm-hmm. he sees her under the bed um, of Beth Beau's house. No, 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 no. <laughs> so yeah, this is a very visceral episode for sure. Also like the skin peeling and all the, you know? Um, <laughs> but to your point of like connecting to Will, I mean,
2: Or any character. Yeah,
4: no, I know. But it's like Will in particular, like he has my heart on this show. Like my heart is for Will. Um, All like just the way he is, the way he speaks. It kind of speaks to like my goth artist soul. Um, And so I do find, I don't know if I find myself necessarily identifying with him, but I find myself like reaching for his character more than anyone else's for sure. Um, Because as far as like relating to characters on this show, I know it's there, there are pieces of them that I relate to in pretty much everyone. Um, But I can't say there's one in particular where I'm like, oh, that's me, that's how I would be in this situation. Because Mm. I just can't know (laughs) how I would be in any of these situations.
0: I think that I would very, I love everything that you have to say about this, Lisa. And I completely agree with like the very, the reveal of Georgia. Um, I loved that. It, that I remember watching it being like, oh shit, this killer's a woman. That's mm. awesome.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but then also being like, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and fast forward through this. Mm-hmm. Um, but in t- like, I feel the same way about really feeling for Will. I think that Will really is the heart of the show in a lot of ways. Yeah. I am all drawn to Hannibal, obviously, because how can you not be? <laughs> and I, I think that I, I see myself sometimes in, um, Beverly's character yeah. I love that she uses humor to kind of diffuse intimacy and uncomfortable situations, which I am known <laughs> to do. Because at first I was like, what character do I, do I identify with? And I'm like, oh, Alana, because I'm always falling for unavailable, unstable people. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, is that a joke? <laughs> Seriously, though. Um... I just love this question because I think it changes throughout, you know, yeah. the course of the show. And um, I mean, I think that's just another one of the million reasons that this show is so amazing: is that you're yeah. actually, at various stages throughout, you're kind of able to identify with all of these characters.
4: Yeah, even Hannibal, like not this, ep- not in this episode, but two episodes prior from Aj, um, mm-hmm. when he is talking to Bedelia. And she's like, oh, it's like, it's natural that you want to see if someone is clever enough to kind of scale your walls. Yeah. And I was like, you don't know me. <laughs> I am
0: but I'm like, I.
4: <laughs> <this>. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like there's a lot of stuff in all of these characters that is like there are moments in all of them.
0: Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah, I was actually going to say that I don't know that I identify with a character as much as the show as a whole. Sure. Like in a lot of ways, when I watch the show, I sometimes feel very much like, this show was made for me specifically. <laughs> Ryan Fuller was like, what would Justin like? And made that show for me. <laughs> you know, um, I was talking to a buddy of mine Today, and he was talking about. And he was talking about coding and the way people, programmers, interact with each other. And he was sort of breaking them into tribes. And he described this one tribe as like, you know, sort of a little snooty with their knowledge. And he referred to them as Penistons, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And, And that is sort of that sort of encapsulates what this show is. Because everyone's super knowledgeable and they're all a little snooty about it. You know what I mean? And that <laughs> feels like my tribe. You know, like I, you know, I know all kinds of useless shit about so much, you know, so many things. And, you know, I can be a little snooty about it, I can be a little snotty. Um, and the way they talk, you know, I, I mean, Hannibal and Will in particular they're never going to speak suit. None of them are super direct, you know, they're not pithy. They're not like they are prosaic, you know, they are given to flights of almost poetry, you know, um, when, when, at the beginning of the episode, when Will is talking about, you know, the clacking of a roller coaster and that's describing his mental state. And I'm like, what the fuck, what are you talking about? That's just like me, you know. Like <laughs> totally.
4: Like I, I love to write down all like as many of Will's quotes as possible while watching these episodes. <laughs> they're so
1: they're crazy. just
4: like so amazing.
1: <laughs> you know, and like I don't know how many other crime procedural shows ha- have been guilty of multiple um, references to Nietzsche, for example. You know, but this show does it multiple times, maybe not in this episode, but like, I just, this whole show hits me where I live in so many ways. You know, Mm -hmm. when Kelly Sue mentioned Beverly, I was like, I could totally relate to Beverly because I'm not afraid to, to roll my eyes and be like, you know what, you guys are not getting to the point. So I'm just gonna vomit up the awkward statement or question you know and, and like you know Beverly does that shit and I will sometimes do that shit you know and I do feel uh, I feel a closeness to the people that inhabit this show mm-hmm. um now that said you know I think that like I didn't take it to bed with me do you know what I mean like it doesn't Follow me into the rest of my life, but that's also because I'm not afraid to watch an episode of DuckTales after an episode of Hannibal. You know what I'm (laughs) saying? I'm not afraid to cleanse my palate with something, you know, a little bit, you know, yeah. (laughs) Pro tip the last thing I think about is, you know, Looney Tunes. You (laughs) know, (laughs) that's going to be some
3: messed up dreams, Justin, because (laughs) mash up Hannibal and DuckTales, and that's going to be fun. Um. I I did do some very specific thinking and I think I kind of have to, in a way, shoehorn myself because I, into what character, main character from the show that I feel connected to, only in the sense that I think all of these characters are so elevated in terms of like abilities and intellect and, and um, that they don't really feel like regular people, you know? They, they do feel very much like fictional characters um, to me. I think Alana, out of all of them though, I think just in terms of how I understand her willingness to believe people and think of the best about people and help people and want to listen and protect and, and all of those kinds of things, um, at least you know, the Alana that we know at the moment, um, I think I d- identify with that. I, that was a little foreshadowing for Phil right there, a little teaser <laughs> of spoilers. Anyway, um, in this episode in particular, I think I identify with Georgia Manchin the most in a way, or maybe it's her mother more. Um, just because I was I was really affected by this episode where we have a killer who is, I think kind of unique so far in terms of you know like the the killers we've been given in Hannibal because you can't really fault her for the horrific things that she's done here is a woman who is straight up just consumed with mental illness she thinks she's dead she can't see faces and the empathy that I feel for that. And then the empathy that I feel for her mother, who, you know, is describing as she's, she's outlining, you know, the process and, and the history of uh, Georgia's, you know, medical history to Jack and Will, she, you know, they're like, well, why, um, you know, how, how, why, what's her diagnosis and why wasn't she, you know, what, how was she treated? And, and the mom just kind of very stone-faced says well you know psychiatry and and all of this kind of medical help isn't about diagnosing and and curing someone it's about managing you know someone's expectations there's no help here really they're just they're just trying to you know keep me from you know losing all hope basically and that I think is a powerful statement in the context of Hannibal around the idea of truth and manipulation. And then we have this, you know, mirroring of like, what's happening with Will and his medical care in this episode. (laughs) And the fact that he is being straight up, you know, uh, lied to by, well, you know, Hannibal, but, and, and a new doctor, but medical professionals who are just, Lying And it, it taps into that sense of distress. And I think anyone, anybody who has had traumatic experiences with people, loved ones who are in a hospital or have, you know, chronic or terminal illnesses, it's just something you identify with. It's depicted very, very well um, in this, in this episode. And I just, I just feel so I feel so much for Georgia Mansion. She, mm. I can't imagine what it would feel like to think that you are dead, and that that's where my head got stuck in this yeah. episode. I, um, and that that horror is just so ugh.
2: so well realized on screen. I mean, the mm-hmm. word you use, Claire, is distressed, and I felt distressed while watching this episode, and to a degree, the last episode. Um, mm. I, I used to wake up with panic attacks in the middle of the night, which is about the most uncontrolled, distressed feeling you'll ever have, I think, yeah. or at least I've ever had. Um, I, one, the first time I had it, it lasted for like that feeling of distress lasted for like three weeks or so until my grandma gave me half a Valium. Um, thank yeah. God for grandma. Thanks, grandma.
4: <laughs> Thanks. Yeah.
2: <laughs> grandma, if you are up there, uh, thank you.
0: Do
4: um, we uh,
2: rename
0: this podcast Grandma's Valium?
2: <laughs> <laughs> we can. I'd be okay with that. It's a safety net. Um, uh, But yeah, that distress is very well realized in this episode. Um, Mm -hmm. I came, the most distressed I've ever felt after an episode of TV was the final episode of season two of Twin Peaks. I had a panic attack. I, I went in the bathroom and I sobbed and I had a panic attack for about an hour. This, Mm. this. So you
4: entered the Black Lodge with. I I did like it went (laughs) into. It was
0: imperfect, yeah. It
2: it dug into my subconscious and it flipped a a switch like that, Mm -hmm. that was, it's flipped in the middle of the night when I had those panic attacks. Um, And this almost took me to that point. Uh, Like I, the, the moment, and this leads me into the next question. um, That final moment between Will and uh, uh, what's her name? I just dropped her name. Uh, Georgia, thank you, Georgia, where mm-hmm. he tells her she's alive. There's a lot of discussion in this episode about what it means to be alive and what it means to be dead, not necessarily on a literal sense. I know during the pandemic, there were many nights where I just laid there month after month by myself thinking I was going to die because I didn't know what was wrong with me mm-hmm. uh, when, when I was having my long haul stuff. And so I yeah. carried that trauma into this episode as well. Like this episode, I can't think about this episode. I can only feel this episode. Um, yeah. it, it only affects me on an emotional level. Like I can't separate myself and yeah. think about it. Um, but uh, what what do you guys see in Hannibal? What do you guys think Hannibal is saying about life and death, about what it means to be alive, what it means to be dead? Um, go Again, go ahead and jump in whoever would like to.
4: Really? Okay. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. It's gonna
4: wait for someone else.
2: No, Lisa, go. (laughs) Take that, take that. Because I took the
4: first round last time. Oh go go. for it. Um, because I like there we like we talk about um I don't know, I just listened to episode five because it came out this week. So like we talk Mm -hmm. about transformation, um, and that being kind of a central theme of the show. Um, and this kind of like ultimate transformation from life to death um, is a constant theme that's coming up. Um, so it, it's, it really is fascinating to kind of live in George's world for a minute um, and basically feel like, like, I mean, you know, like Claire was just saying, it's how can you imagine that? How can you imagine thinking that you are dead Um, but continuing to exist in the world and yes, Philip, like you said, coming out of this year, it's a very, it's, it's relatable more in a way that we never really like thought possible, you know, Mm -hmm. um, where it's like, okay, what is life, (laughs) you know, after this past year plus it's like, what exactly do we call life and living and Mm -hmm. defining that, And it's not necessarily like I'm walking around thinking I'm dead, but um, the world has definitely taken on a different tint. Mm -hmm. Um, And so watching this show right now at this time, and it could be that this is why we're talking about it right now. And we like why I was like, you know what? I'm gonna rewatch Hannibal. And then everyone was like, yeah, let's all do it. (laughs) Um, It's like, it somehow feels like, yeah, maybe we should be like in this dark time, just kind of, I don't know, exploring it. And Mm -hmm. like, instead of trying to push it away, let's just, let's live in death for a minute. Does
0: that make sense?
4: totally does. Let's just get in there.
0: I think it's interesting too, um, Lisa, what you're saying, uh, kind of directly correlates to the astrological weather today Mm. because uh, the planet of Venus, astrologically speaking, enters the mansion of Scorpio today. Um, And if Scorpio as a sign personified itself in a television show, it would be Hannibal. Mm. Yep. (laughs) Because Scorpio represents the deep end of the pool, you know, like deep, dark, the dark side of being human, which is here always, whether we want to look at it or not, you know, like everybody was real happy about life in, you know, the nineties, Woohoo! everything's great. But as we moved into the period of time that we're in now, we see that underneath all of that, there was still a ton of this dark shit. Um, and with this episode, when I really think about this episode in terms of my own experiences with mental illness, dealing with depression, and the sense that like, stagnation is what breeds this diseased eased feeling, you know? They even talk about, um, Georgia's guitar syndrome and about how, like, there isn't flow in her body. There isn't enough like lymphatic and blood flow through her, which is why her skin detaches from her. And, you know, she's got, her liver is shutting down and we've all experienced, I think, levels of stagnation the last year and a half that are unprecedented for us where like our lives stop. I know for a while they were calling it like the great pause or something, or maybe they just did that in the LA Times, I don't know. (laughs) But um, it makes me think of all those things because the sensation of depression is like being in a, like you're sort of relating to your life through like a glass wall. You can see everything and hear everyone and you know, you're alive, but you aren't connecting to what's around you anymore. Um, and it really makes you, it, it, this episode itself really makes me think of those types of things and how really at the base of it, everybody is just trying to connect with each other, you know, like, who am I? Am I real? That's certainly true for Will in this episode. And he's sitting over here thinking he's got it all together. And then we see the clock and we're like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, <no>. oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> So,
0: i don't and, know if any of that makes sense but yeah, yeah
3: no it it absolutely does and i think a pivotal um line in this episode is will you know and i think he's answering hannibal and <sighs> just explaining that he is very lonely that's kind of his base state and that for me and and thinking about that and having the george imagine story to clearly bounce off of as we're, you know, analyzing what's going on with Will in this episode it it reminds you that as as entities we are alone and we are alone in a profound sense in that the only way that we understand anything is through our own individual perception. And so the universe, you know, is can be described as this big, vast place, but it can also be described as an idea that you as an individual alone have, period. There's, there's nothing else. And it's a very, it, that's a very lonely thought, knowing that you can connect with things. And, and I think we take for granted sometimes Not sometimes we take for granted every second of our lives, like every breath we breathe in, we are taking for granted the idea that our, our, our senses are accurate, accurately describing reality to us. Mm. We take for granted how fragile that can be and how easily our brains can. In fact, everything that you, you do perceive we've, we are starting to understand scientifically that our brain overwrites things and fills in gaps. And our senses are amazingly faulty at telling us what's around us in the world. And we create our own picture every, you know, every time. And, and so much of this show is about what's real, what's actually happening, who understands what is true and what isn't true. And there is no it's all quicksand. There's no bedrock to. I think that's another line in the the show where Will is telling Jack that he feels like he's in quicksand or or whatever, and and Jack says, "Well, I'm your bedrock." That's great, but no, you're not. You're you're not. You don't understand the whole picture. And
0: the and Hannibal also says, "I'm your gauge," and I was like, ella The name of the show of this
3: episode is Buffet Foy, which is a buffet, and this is exactly what's happening in the show. Every person has their own individual plate. And if you they were given a picture of a plate to have to to you know replicate they're all going up to the table and picking their own version of what that plate is jack is is has constructed a plate that tells him i know what's going on with will and i'm able to you know he interrupts will when he when he's asking will like what happens what he does in a crime scene will starts to answer and go well i do and then jack interrupts him and and answers it for him like he knows better than will himself what he's doing at the crime scene everybody thinks they've got their the the correct version of reality and is that the difference between being alive and dead i don't know it do you if you're dead you think you know what's happening but you're blind to the fact that you can be at, you can be infallible i don't know
2: justin what do you uh, what do you think
1: i think that this is so much a show about mental health i mean as much as it is about murder um and i think that the you know what does it mean to be alive or dead you know i can't i've never had a hallucination i don't think maybe once um when i was a kid but in general if what i'm seeing isn't there and what i'm hearing isn't there if i'm not connected to at least some facsimile of reality you know i know that reality is subjective but if i'm unable to perceive the world as it is is that truly living you know um you know will feels like he's fading but will is disconnecting from reality he's increasingly unable to perceive things as they are you know um as as really demonstrated by that clock when the first time i saw this episode and when hannibal had will draw that clock and then it's shown all fucked up that freaked me the Mm -hmm. fuck out Yeah. yeah that i was like i didn't even know that could happen to a person you know and then you know the doctor's all like oh it's facial neglect and I was like don't say that like it's got some term that makes it okay motherfucker that's some weird shit like that would terrify me you know like becoming untethered you know to our, our senses our, our our means of perceiving the world tether mm-hmm. us to life
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and imagine being unable to see the person, you know, is in front of you, you know, they call that not seeing faces, but you know, George Imagine cannot perceive her own best friend, you know, and it's to me, if I were to wake up in a tube and have someone tell me, Oh yeah you know while you were struggling while you were having your weird episode you killed someone that you love you know because you couldn't recognize Mm -hmm. them I would feel like I was dead you know I would feel like at that point maybe more than like the self is our conduit Mm -hmm. to the universe you know what I mean and if the self isn't working then what are you you know if you're not in control mean, of of, huh? of your of yourself, what are you?
0: And would you even know? Yeah, if you weren't in control anymore. I really love where this discussion is going, y'all. <laughs> I feel yeah, like I, we've all watched the
3: new Matrix uh, trailer movie trailer uh, recently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
1: See now, I look at the new Matrix trailer, and that 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 is—I mean, maybe it's spilling into me, and I don't want you know, but like, well, it's very will what, of you. It's filling into me (laughs) oh yeah but um like i watch that and i just see oh this is the force awakens but the matrix (laughs) nice uh yeah yeah i guess just to cap off
2: this section before we go to break uh, i do think it's interesting that hannibal describes killing people and their deaths as light and air and color and will says but doesn't that what isn't that what it means to be alive to experience those things um that the two phrases mean something very different to each one. Uh, And there is something very beautiful about that exchange, uh, I think, um, in depicting both characters. But on on that, we'll be back to talk more about the characters uh, after this little break we're gonna take. All right, uh, welcome back everyone. you know, this is my first time watching the series, and in my, I, I first have to say that uh, uh, my relationship with Beverly has changed a lot since the first episode, uh, which I'm thankful for. I've, I've come to see her as like, like a, a kind of a, a, um, like a a stable ground for Will to stand on. So I felt very gratified when she was the one he called to come and say, "Hey, am, am I losing my mind? It wasn't Crawford. It wasn't Hannibal." She like relied. He relied on Beverly, which was really awesome. Um, but uh, I mean, really though, the the scenes between Will and Jack Crawford uh, were pretty amazing in this episode, uh, especially when put into contrast and juxtaposed with the the scenes between Hannibal and Dr. Sutcliffe. Um We're almost like talking. We're almost seeing Will's soul being fought over uh, here in this. Um, Episode. So, I'm curious. I, I want to know. It's been a few episodes since we talked about Crawford, and, and these are the A and B stories, essentially. So, um, let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, Who would like to start us off with some combo? Oh,
4: my Jack gosh. Freak again, Crawford, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: okay.
2: Go, Kelly. Thanks, it. Kelly
4: I'll Sue. Do it. Yeah, okay. no problem.
0: Um, Jack is such a complicated character for me, as y'all probably know, because he was at the top of my psychopath list. Um, I think that, I don't know, I mean, there's so many similarities between the way that Jack and Hannibal handle Will, um, and there's so much manipulation on both sides, and I think feel like Jack and Hannibal are so are really similar in that way which is why I think I was ultimately like this guy's fucking nuts <laughs> <laughs> um because you know Jack knows that he needs Will in the in in the capacity that he needs him he also knows that what he's doing is detrimental to Will um but he doesn't stop doing it he doesn't necessarily change the way that he does it um and that that relationship is really interesting to me it's one of the aspects of the show that certainly right around this point I it was when I started questioning like who are the good guys Mm. on this show who are the ones who are out here fighting for good you know Sure, it's like it's well we want to solve murders we want to save lives um but this was when it all started to get real blurry for me and there were moments towards the end of this season where I was really thinking like is there gonna be some crazy twist where Jack is actually murdering people <laughs> <laughs> like I remember having that experience even though I know that's not you know canon um but It's this, it's a very strange, heavy handed kind of manipulation that Jack has where he can, you know, I poke fun at it in the summary where he can get angry and almost shame Will for, for losing the thread while at the same time being like, okay, well, I'll see you next time. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, He definitely goes in circles with Will a lot. Totally. Exactly. Thank you for that that's
4: exactly what I mean. <laughs> well, no, it's true. Cause I like my head was spinning with what was going on with Jack and Will in this episode. Like he kept totally. on being like, "Will, what's wrong with you? And then Will was like, do you want me to quit? And he's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, he yeah. won't take any responsibility <laughs> though. At the same time, no. he wants to take full responsibility. So I'm like, yeah. what is, which is it? Because he's definitely straddling the
0: line here of like, like, I actually even think he says at one point, will is my responsibility.
4: Yeah. But yeah, at the does. same yeah. time, yeah. but at the same time, whenever, Will, like whenever he's like, "Will, you're going crazy. And like, you know, you need to tell me if you're ready to go. And it's like, yeah. he just, it's you can't have and it. Then you're like, Jack,
0: Jack, you're the one who just watched him fucking lose it. Yeah. In this well, crime scene. And, and you're and being like, like, you need to tell me if you're not okay.
3: It, it's based in that entitlement of a person who's never dealt with mental illness, mm-hmm. in thinking mm-hmm. that, that, oh, well, of course, people with a mental illness can recognize what's happening because. How could you not recognize what's happening? So he's, he's Mm -hmm. at the same time that he's, he's making, giving Will guilt trips about, okay, well, you need to be on top of managing your mental illness and, and knowing when to notify me about things going wrong. While at the same time, kind of flipping and saying, oh no, I've got your back. And is it, is it Will's responsibility and are you going to blame him? And he does point i mean it's such a toxic relationship and emotionally manipulative um the the moment that really crosses the line for me though with jack i think and and because up until this episode i think we can put a lot of just you know like neglect and um he's carrying out like a selfish he's he's meeting his own selfish needs Mm-hmm. Um, while thinking that he's helping Will. But in this episode, in the conversation that he has with Hannibal, and Hannibal is calling him out directly mm-hmm. about this is what you're doing. This is going to be the result. What, do you think it's worth it? And Jack mm-hmm. answers him that, well, I would rather lose Will than it, that Will's mm-hmm. mental stability then another innocent life be lost. And then and he says, and the, the part where he loses it, and, and that can be, you know, that could be a true statement, right? Like that's not that admirable, but it, it's also kind of admirable. I mean, you can understand it, but then he mm-hmm. says, and Will would agree with me. And it's, that's where he, the line that he oversteps there in making, stating what someone else will do taking consent away from someone because and justifying it by saying uh, this is what will would want also Mm. i haven't i haven't i haven't asked him that but and how could he know that because he's unstable like you you have a person who is grappling with mental illness who is not Mm -hmm. capable of making that choice and you're you're making that choice for them because it's expedient to you
2: Justin is chomping at the bit to throw down Oh, here. yeah. Uh, okay, Justin, he's got so bouncing much to say.
1: Around? I just feel like... Call me crazy. Okay. I just feel like okay, you crazy. guys like Hannibal way more than you like Jack. Right now, <laughs> yeah. I <do>. because, <laughs> because Hannibal is manipulating the fuck out of Will. And Jack. Hannibal is oh, lying yeah. to them. Yes. Uh-huh. Will yeah. is lying to Jack. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> and Will isn't really mentally ill. Will is sick, okay? Will is sick. Will has a physical illness, all right? that is he's being lied to about. Will, like Jack absolutely is like, I I will use you up if you let me. Do you know what I'm saying? But he's straight up saying that to Will. I will use you up if you let me. So you've got to let me know when you're having problems you've got to let me know you've got to communicate with that me i'm trusting you to communicate that to me and we all know that will is having problems because he's communicating it to hannibal every episode and then he lies about it to jack all right and (laughs) it's obvious to us that will's having problems if only because we see him having the problems and we we see we are privy to stuff that jack doesn't get do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like and it's not too much of a stretch for Jack to say Will would want that too, because earlier in the episode, Will says to Jack, do you have anyone who can do this, anyone unbroken who can do this better than I do it broken? Mm-hmm. Which is, translates to me as, I'm going to do this because I have to. You need me to do this even though I'm broken. It's a, it, mm-hmm. I mean, Jack isn't saying not, something that Will hasn't not- said.
3: But it's not consent to, I will, I'm okay with winding up in an institution.
1: It absolutely (laughs) is. He's literally saying, he's saying, I'm broken. He's saying, I'm broken and I'm doing this anyway.
4: I just want to say real quick, I don't think Justin is wrong.
1: No, I don't either.
4: Definitely are like, we are over here identifying with Hannibal a lot, yeah. probably yeah. an inappropriate amount because that's just what we do. But I just love, I love Justin's point of view and I love uh-huh. his reaction. It's like a total Mugatu. Am I taking crazy pills moment?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I do feel that way. I do feel totally. that way.
4: I'm like, cause I'm ah, like, yeah, like, look, look, no, you're not Jack taking crazy pills. Dick. We are. Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jack yeah. is a dick. And Jack is saying, look, I'm going to make the dick decision. You know, I'm going to, you know, and Will would back me up on that because when Will and I have talked about it, Will has basically said, I'm going to keep doing this. Will mm-hmm. is fighting to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know? but
3: Will is not mentally stable. And that's where Jack takes liberties in the way. is we
1: We know that Will is stable enough to assess himself because he's bringing the problems to someone else.
0: Or at least he thinks he's stable but enough. Jack to does not know that. Jack
3: expressly understands that he's working with someone who is mentally unstable. He's seeing it and suspecting it every day. So, Ooh. in from Jack's perspective, he's working with someone who has a mental illness, and he is putting the responsibility of assessing that mental illness on the person with the mental illness from moment to moment. And you can't do that any more than you can b- with a, a girl who, or, or somebody who is inebriated and, and assuming that they're going to be able to tell you if they're consenting to something from moment to moment that's, as well. That, and that's, that's, that's f- where Jack goes across the line. Is that's this- fair,
1: except that Hannibal is also feeling, who like Hannibal is the check that Jack put into place. Right. Hannibal said, I mean, Jack said, look, I can't fully trust you. And so Hannibal- I'm gonna get you have you talk to the psychiatrist.
3: Right, and Hannibal is telling Jack, this guy, this is gonna end badly.
1: He's saying he's having a hard time, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. gonna and, end badly.
1: But the fact You should is, probably stop. <laughs> but he's not wrong. Jack isn't wrong in saying that Will is making a choice that he would make. Will is not, he's not making an unstable man's choice. He's making a hero's choice.
3: He's making a drunk hero's choice, who is not in the condition to have consent. (laughs) This conversation is
2: thrilling. This is thrilling. Uh, I'll fight you all day on it. We will have to move on. Uh, I'm sure we'll come come back to it. I do want to, there's one, there's a quote from another TV show that's very popular right now that I I haven't watched, but I know the quotes. Um, It's uh, 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 from, I'm not going to remember the show. I remember the quote. Uh, It's another Hulu show. Uh, the women um, with hoods. Uh, I just dropped the title. <laughs> hand made hand made tail. Tail. I just, the I, just women the title. Hoods I just dropped the title. I just dropped the title Spoken like a second. true
0: man. <laughs> I dropped
2: the title. I dropped the title. Uh, there's a quote, though, that says, um, uh, uh, how tempting it is to create a humanity for anyone at all. Mm. Uh, and there's something really interesting about that and the way we are giving Hannibal a lot of the dice and a lot of the trust in this more. So, I mean, Claire just quoted Hannibal to show us how bad Jack was, which (laughs) is like such an interesting roundabout. That's such a cycle that I don't think like, it's such a cycle of like, you know, we're gonna argue about this forever. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll we'll move on um, because we have (laughs) the exquisite corpse to dig into uh, uh, with Lisa. Go
4: exquisite corpse. Um were they exquisite this week? I guess in a way. Um <laughs> so we start off with Beth Lebeau. Um, and I know, I think, I don't know if it's said in the show, I know it's said in the synopsis that, um, Bo is given a Glasgow smile, mm-hmm. um, which is a particularly like brutal form of, um, like retribution punishment that came along, like back in the 1920s in Ireland. Um, and, but it's like, I know it's termed that, Um, in the context of the show a little bit, but um, that doesn't really resonate as being anything to do with what George Imagine's actual motives were. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think it was retribution. And I know that like, there's a certain part that talks about like distrust or Mm -hmm. like some kind of sense of betrayal of feeling like when she went to her best friend and didn't recognize her, um, that it was like, out of this sense of betrayal that she did this. Um, But what stood out to me was that um, when they talked about, like on examining Beth LeBeau's body, they talked about like the skin was pulled at um, and Will says something about like, you know, the killer was like trying to remove a mask. And so that kind of got me thinking about like the symbology, the symbolism of like masks in different cultures. And um, so Mm -hmm. in a few cultures, like Egyptian culture, African culture, and in some Native American cultures, it's like, there's this concept of a funeral mask. Um, and And the way it's kind of treated is that it actually traps a soul. And this can be like used in a good way, or it can be used in a bad way. It can be like a bad thing to trap a soul. Um, And that kind of resonated more to me as far as like what George Imagine was doing, that it was almost like, it was almost some strange act of kindness towards Beth Lebeau, that maybe if they're all, if she's dead, then everyone else around her is dead. And she's in some underworld, and she wants to like, set her friend free. And that's kind of like, the interpretation that resonated more with me. Mm.
0: Um,
4: So I open it up to you guys to see if like that resonates with you or some other kind of motive resonates with you as far as like that is concerned. But I don't wanna forget about dear Dr. Sutcliffe (laughs) Um, and like what we think um, Hannibal's version of this very gnarly murder um like what that means to him or what motives could be applied to him and how he does this um and also this is the first time we get to see hannibal's like murder suit his little plastic murder suit <laughs> that Aww. like
2: i love so much so
4: we can talk about how much we love that too <laughs> Amazing.
2: Uh, well,
3: it seems very tailored, which you have to
0: question.
2: Like, did he <laughs> I thought that too. I was like, I to have insane. that like custom made.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Amazing. Uh, well, first I have to say, uh, nobody told me Samara was going to be in this episode and Samara scares the fuck out of me. So uh, that was not happening. I didn't even think about that. for me. Um, I, You know, the minute a referred to Will as a pig, I was like, mm. oh, dude dude you're, you're done. done you're done yeah. you just wrote yourself out of <laughs> this show you just <laughs> yeah. wrote yourself out of this show um yeah. and you see hannibal taking great i felt like a little bit of joy in the pressure he was putting on the top of Sutcliffe's head in pushing that apart mm-hmm. and there was uh,
3: the physicality—not joy at least was... the
2: passion of it was there, there was something there was an emotion behind yeah. it almost um the mm-hmm. physicality go there was the
3: physicality of that was probably one of the worst scenes in the episode was, to me is uh, you don't even see him doing it you just see the way his body is positioned yeah
2: see him leaning into it and leaning, in leaning and, into really, it. and then
3: and then there's some sound effects that go on with that and it's mm-hmm. one of the most gruesome ugh, ugh. because yeah. it's
2: it's not a grasp for reality for him uh when when samara does it it's a grasp for I'm going to call it just samara now it's a That's grasp name, for no. reality it's like a grasp to see what's behind another person's fake face, to see their real face, which I think is
0: mm-hmm.
2: something that the show is trying to tackle. Uh, we wanna see behind the face of each, each character wants to see behind the face of all the other characters to see what's really going on. And they're all, try, they're all trying to slowly yeah. pull back each other's masks and look under there. And at and, uh, least you mentioned at the top that this is uh, uh, a horror movie. Like from the very get-go, you've got a girl going into a cabin by herself Walking around all alone, you're like, "Oh, this ain't gonna go well." Um, and we follow like n- not a main character for a little while. We follow the, like in Scream, we follow the, the girl that's gonna die first. Wow. Um, you know, it's that t- classic trope, and, uh, you know, on a visceral level, connected with all of these other elements, it works so well. Um, because Samara is living in a horror story. Uh, yeah. Georgia, Georgia's living in a horror story. Um, And uh, when we see that reflected in Will's reaction of living that out, like I think it puts it on a visceral level that we haven't experienced before. Like uh, connecting our viewing to like what a horror movie is and then having Will think that he is the murderer in a horror movie, like it connects on a very pop culture level that we're all familiar with. Um, And and so I, I really, I found that to be very interesting on a lot of levels throughout this episode so
3: they give us so many of the horror movie tropes in this the you know walking around in an attic with just a flashlight and you know running out into the woods and being alone in the woods with you know something threatening around you and then when will leaves the mri machine and he wakes up by himself it's this like straight up like 28 days later waking up and you're all alone and then he's walking through kind of like what feels like you know it's clearly like a hospital or a medical facility. And so there's that element to it as well. And it's just all so well packed in it. We we have to assume, right, that Hannibal picked Sutcliffe particularly to be this doctor because Uh A, he knew that Sutcliffe would go along with the egregiously horrible, you know, keeping this guy's diagnosis from him. So he, he has to have, have, from the very beginning, before even you know implementing all of the things that happened in this episode, known that he was going to kill this guy, because he's putting a guy into his machinations who is then going to know something that about what Hannibal did. So of course he's going to, you know, it was it was a foregone conclusion from even before mm-hmm. the episode started that
0: Setcliffe was
3: uh, a gone. Yeah, I feel and, like
0: once you get the invite. To Hannibal's dinner table, <laughs> <laughs> like your your days are numbered. Your
4: days yeah. <laughs> are numbered, friend. This didn't your even have supper.
2: didn't even have the respect to serve him another human. No. Like
0: it was something else. Cute. <laughs> yeah, um, I totally saw the Georgia pulling the skin back as wanting to find her friend, mm. like going to her house and seeing her, but not seeing her face and wanting to be like, I know your face is in there. Mm-hmm. I want to find, I want to find you, my friend, you know? Yeah, I want to help you. Um, I want to help you. And I want to be close to you because like, I don't know where this girl's been. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> where has she really been? Georgia. I don't know that that gets discussed in this episode. You know, they have to sit down with her mom. Uh, what's her name from the expanse? Oop, oop. Um, and they don't really mention like, she's just like, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know where she's at. I'm glad to hear she's alive. And I'm like, okay, well, that's weird. Like, <laughs> this is your kid. Like, where has she been? So the fact that she would go to a friend's house and then not be able to see her friend's face, I was just like, she's just trying to find a friend. And that was when I was like, totally different with Sutcliffe. Yeah. Like completely, <laughs> um, we knew this dude was a goner from the get-go um, and I also loved the physicality. I was like, oh, so strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think what I think, okay. Um, we um, all reacted to that because we
3: were, we were all
0: thinking it as well, uh-huh. we just- Well, I mean, yeah, it it's impressive. Uh, it's, imp- it's impressive. Is all I'm saying. Um, the, yeah. Go there's ahead, some in the
1: episode, though. Because a Glasgow smile, which is Scottish, not Irish, um, will not kill you. It's a form of torture, but it's not a form of murder. For real. You know, I mean, like, you know, having your cheeks cut is not life-threatening, you know? Um, it, in fact, you know the actor... Um, he was in Braveheart, um, and uh, uh, when
4: I wikied this, it was like Tommy Flanagan or something. Yeah. Tommy, but, Flanagan. Tommy Flanagan.
1: Yes, Flanagan. Love yeah. him. He's he's. I mean, he's those scars are the results of a Glasgow smile.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, she, and like it's. So I'm curious as to how, like, Georgia. I don't think I don't think Georgia is trying to free her friend. I don't think Georgia recognizes that that's her friend. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like the 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 mask removal stuff is sort of post mortem. I think she's. I think it's more like, "What are you?" That's in my friend's house. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And she kills it. And you know, I don't recognize you. Hey.
0: And, Ooh, I like that. Um, I guess that's true. She doesn't just cut her cheeks straight up like murderous
1: oh, yeah and well, i thought
0: the i thought the cause of death was that she
4: drowned in Chow- her own blood yeah
1: she drowned in so her, she own drowned her own blood you, you blood. absolutely you can die from a glasgow yeah.
0: smile yeah. if you're not yeah. treated yeah. yeah that's true <laughs>
1: well you you can bleed to death yes but yes yeah um and so i'm curious because hannibal what hannibal does to Sutcliffe is different than what is done to beth lebeau because he's damn near oh, yeah. decapitated like the top you know he's you know, it, ooh, that's some gruesome shit. Like um, a
0: Beetlejuice head.
1: It's almost, yeah. it's
3: almost like it's almost like Hannibal's trying to depict like the murderer accelerating in what they're doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe, maybe. I, I feel like if Will had been in his right mind on that crime scene, he would have saw some stark
1: differences, though. I, I, um, I, right. Maybe. I feel, yeah. I feel. And maybe but he also, also Hannibal yeah, wants. It's not yeah, just about also, his right mind; it's also about what information is being given to him. That's also true. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, it's about yeah. he's not. It's not really a superpower. You know, he is yeah. extrapolating from the evidence yeah. that's presented to him. But we've and seen the Hannibal. Is flawed.
3: We've seen Hannibal do that before, mimic a crime, mm-hmm. but make it explicitly different so that the so that Will will understand that it was someone else, that it wasn't
4: George, you know. And this is actually why I really like that this segment ended up being called Exquisite Corpse, because that's exactly what an exquisite corpse is. Like in art, um it's like you all know what an exquisite corpse is, yes?
2: Explain. No. Okay. For
4: anybody who doesn't, an exquisite corpse is basically like a paper folded into two, into like three parts. Mm. And um, someone will draw basically the head and then fold the paper and hand it to another artist. And there's like lines for where the neck is. And that person will then draw a torso. And then they fold it again and they give it to the third artist. And they'll kind of like have where the hips are or whatever thing and the final artist will draw the legs and when you unfold you ha- you have this like three very different styles all coming together in one figure and it's called an exquisite corpse wow. um and dang I, sorry i thought that we all knew that but no, sometimes Lord, i forget that I, size, that uh, yeah that's amazing <laughs> um but that actually, tied, I that also, I've been an
0: artist for 25 years.
4: <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sometimes I forget that <laughs> that you have not all been artists for the last 25 years. Um, so, um, but that's why I love like the kind of secondary part of this is that when Hannibal does things like this, he's he's almost doing exactly an exquisite corpse. It's like he's taking the work of one murderer and kind of continuing on in his version of Mm -hmm. the same thing. So it's like, it's really super well applying to this particular episode that it's called Exquisite Corpse. Mm -hmm. Um, And also what's great in general is that um, everybody can have a different interpretation of art as it's presented. And so we can Mm -hmm. all have equally valid interpretations of what it was Georgia was doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you blew my mind with the reference to the African mask and stuff because I'm mm-hmm. one of my projects that I've been working on, like Igon masks. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, you know, from Africa, mm-hmm. and how they contain souls, or, you know, is something, is an element to a project I'm working on. And I think that that really like, Ooh, blew awesome. my mind. I was like, cool. Get out of my prime, woman.
4: <laughs> I love to see this is what we do. Yeah. And that <laughs> wraps up this week's exquisite corpse. Back to you, Phil.
2: Thank you very much, Lisa. Uh, before we head out of this episode, we're going to go to a quick recommend. We're going to go to a quick recommendation
1: from our boy, uh, Justin Pennison. This is actually the recommendation I wanted to make last week when we were overtaken by Brother Bear. Um, <laughs> just because, you know, it, it, it actually happened in the middle of that episode before Brother Bear came up. <laughs> because uh, we were talking about the totem pole of bodies in the previous episode, and Claire mentioned cultural appropriation. And uh-huh. that kind of stuck with me. You know, I'm like, you know, taking the cultural appropriation of indigenous peoples of America. And that made me think, I'm super glad that I'm watching Reservation Dogs.
0: Oh. Yes. You
1: know, Reservation Dogs is a really compelling show Created, written, acted, and directed entirely by Indigenous Americans. Yeah. Uh, the only real outsider there being Taika Waititi, who's one of the co-creators of the show, who's an Indigenous New, Zeal- New Zealander. You mm-hmm. know, and the show came out of the conversations between Sterling Harjo and Taika Waititi about the the, the experience of being an Indigenous person and an Indigenous filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's interesting to see, I'm fascinated by little things like, I wouldn't think that Native Americans would embrace the word Indian. And yet they seem to, at least in the show, mm-hmm. you know? And, but then I was struck by how often, you know, I certainly hear my people use the N-word way more than I hear white people use it. You know what I mean? And we, we, we own that. And I certainly have dropped more than a few N-bombs. The first time I ever heard that was when my dad called me one, you know? <laughs> like, <and laughs> so like it, it really, it feels like it's a show I can enjoy, even though it's not for me, you know, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. it's funny and delightful and super oh, poignant. God. It's super mm-hmm. poignant. It's very, it's sad and funny at the same time. Um, it's it's a really enjoyable show. Like I I'm really it, and it's not easy to watch. I can't binge it. I I have to watch mm-hmm. one or two episodes and then go because it's tough. But I'm really enjoying Reservation Dogs.
2: And on that, uh, we're gonna we're gonna head to sign off here. Uh, where can we find each of you, um, Justin?
1: Well, you can find Reservation Dogs on yeah. FX on Hulu. Lest yes, I forget. So yes. let's just put that in there. Yes. Um. You can find me, I post a new page every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of my hard-boiled fantasy webcomic, Hunter Black at hunterblackcomics.com. You can follow me on Twitter. Twitter's the best place to follow me at hunterblackcomics. Kelly Sue.
0: Ah, you can find me at Kelly Sue Says on all of the social
2: medias. Awesome. Lisa Kay.
0: Um, You can find
4: me and my art and maybe some exquisite corpses <laughs> <laughs> on all my social medias at lcatweber you can also find hex 11 the comic that kelly sue and i make together at hexcomics.com
2: clarissa thorne
3: i am at an hobby on facebook instagram and twitter you can find my book a geek's guide to cross stitch journeys in space on the fan base press website
2: Awesome. And I'm Philip Kelly. You can find me at Philip creates all over the place, sprinkled everywhere in your life. Um, <laughs> new episodes of murder husbands are going to release. Uh, oh, and if you like this conversation, be sure to like, and subscribe to popsicle. Uh, that's P O P S K L on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon podcast, or wherever you may be listening. Um, of course, new episodes of murder husbands release every Tuesday and check out our previous series, dream journal and through the ring, which have been released through the fan base weekly podcast. Also, we have another ongoing series that episode was Uh, currently we'll we're talking about and and tearing apart episodes uh, of the new series, Why the Last Man, as it also airs on Hulu, another Hulu show. Um, Follow us at Popsicle Pod and all social media sites and visit our website popsiclepod.com to sign up for our newsletter and get all the latest Popsicle news. Remember, that's Popsicle spelled P-O-P-S-K-L. Uh, Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time. This has been a Popsicle production.